I have a friend who runs an educational YouTube channel. It's got about 14,000 subscribers. That may not sound like a lot, but it gets her team access to the YouTube studios in LA. And it's pretty impressive for the niche field she and I work in. I'm Sarah Lefton, and I founded and am now the creative director of Bim Bomb. We used to be called Godcast. We're an organization in Oakland, California that animates the Hebrew Bible and also does Judaism 101 explainers for adults that are curious about holidays, rituals, things like that. And we do an animated series for kids called Shaboom. I had the chance to pick Sarah's brain while we were teaching together at a writing program for religious leaders. We started with the frustrations of writing for YouTube. Yeah, the easiest example, of course, is to talk about time. Time operates differently on YouTube than it does in a magazine. For one thing, we never make anything longer than three minutes anymore. Um, Another thing, and this is coming directly from YouTube, if you're going to capture somebody into watching your video, it has to be done in the first three seconds. The three seconds is the time at which people are most likely to bounce off of your video because they've decided that you're boring or you're not getting to the subject they thought you were getting to. And that's not the way people have traditionally written, right? Very often you get hundreds of words to you know, bring someone in through a beautiful metaphor or to tell a story from your life before you get to the point. You can't do that on YouTube. And I don't know that that's for the better of humanity. (laughs) My work is getting more and more blunt. We are increasingly cutting back the amount of animation we do and putting our faces on the camera more because there's a clear preference for that on YouTube that we can see in the metrics. It's it's wagging us, you Mm. know? The medium is wagging us. I can't resist asking about the secret sauce. How do you capture someone's attention in just three seconds? Well, we'll have Sarah's answer and more on this episode of the Media and Social Change Podcast. MaskLab is a hub for multimodal and digital scholarship that explores the relationship between media and our changing society. We support, curate, and create media intended to spark dialogue and social change and the development of pedagogy that uses media to foster civic engagement. MassLab is located in the Communication, Media, and Learning Technology Design Program at Teachers College, Columbia University. I was asking Sarah about catching people's attention in a hurry. You shock them. You bring up uh, something very timely and controversial. You put a really hot actor on screen. (laughs) We started bringing in actors. Mm. You know, it's not me and Jeremy on screen all the time. We found, you know, a really cute woman. We found a really cute guy. Mm. We're all differently comfortable with it Mm -hmm. and evolving with it all the time. And from time to time, YouTube and Facebook, you know, they change the way they wait video in the news feed. They change what a subscription looks like and you have to scramble to keep up. Mm -hmm. And what you thought was your audience is Mm -hmm. you're only reaching 10% of them. And a lot of times I miss the old days where you just got someone on your mailing list, you sent them a video and they watched it. Speaking of the old days, I asked Sarah how she started on her first project. She tells me about a narrowly avoided false start involving Talmud. That's the sprawling collection of early rabbinic law and commentary. The thing that I wanted to make first was an animated guide through Talmud. 
I was told that was too complicated and that I was in over my head. And thank you to the person who said that because <laughs> what that caused us to do was go into, oh, let's tell Bible stories. So Judaism has a tradition of reading a portion each week called the Parsha HaShavua, the portion of the week. And so I started with Parshat Balak, the story of Balak and Balaam, because it seemed fun. There was going to be a talking donkey in it. That seemed like something fun to animate. I went over to my friend Andy's house. He's a rabbi and said, talk to me about the Parsha for three or four minutes. Um, I recorded it in his living room, edited it, and then my friend Nick animated it. I started showing it at Jewish conferences and to friends in the business world, and eventually someone introduced me to a philanthropist who said, this is ridiculous that this doesn't exist. How much do you need? Hmm. And our nonprofit was born. Now, I'm an Episcopal priest who sort of fell into doing religious media training. As a Christian, I'm not in Sarah's target demographic. But it turns out audience diversity is right there in her channel trailer. Welcome to Bimbom, a place for old Jews, new Jews, and non-Jews. Subscribe to check out all of the amazing things on this channel. What's kosher all about? Cartoons you can watch with your kids. How do I make kiddish? Check out our whole channel. It's the Bimbom channel. I've heard from people over the years who have said things like, your videos are so helpful to us Christians in understanding how Jews think about hmm. what we call the Old Testament, you know, hmm. and and that's so exciting to me. I'm also inspired to do something together hmm. with folks in the Christian world more and more, um, and beyond the Christian world for that matter, to take a story that a group of people share. You know, just this week in the Christian world, I discovered that everyone is reading from Genesis, the Binding of Isaac story, and I found this out because... The internet was full of it yeah. as I was preparing for this conference that we're both at. Yeah. And I think that's just a perfect example, right? It's a very resonant story for Jews and Christians and Muslims. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. what would it look like to do a piece together mm -hmm. where we somehow say, look, this is what we all share in common. Mm -hmm. Here's a moment that Christianity pulls out that Judaism mm -hmm. doesn't. Mm -hmm. I don't know much at all about what Islam pulls out of the story yet, but I want to know, yeah. and I would love to sit, yeah. you know, me and you yeah. and a Muslim person, TBD, mm -hmm. and yeah. make a three-way look at the story. And the visual adds this whole other element to it. Like, mm. if you're going to animate that story, which we've done twice, there's so many choices you could make that will subtly or obviously speak mm. to those crowds. Like, I could imagine, you know, drawing the bundle of wood that Isaac is carrying in... 17 different ways mm. that would mean something very different to different audiences mm. and there's something we could do in a video we made together where we play that up huh. right yeah. it could be really cool of course this rich interfaith conversation is possible because all kinds of people find bim bomb videos via searches on google and youtube it turns out sarah and her team think a lot about search one of the search terms that commonly brings people to our content is shiva now shiva is the six days of accompanying a mourner in their home right after a funeral. Um, and there are a lot of customs in a shiva home. You might see people sitting on the floor. You might see mirrors covered. People bring food. There are certain prayers said. And, you know, there's a, there's a high bar perceived to cross to go to a shiva home, which is why our videos are so successful. Because people who are Jewish or not Jewish can watch it and in four minutes say, oh, I get it. I feel confident. I am relaxed and I can go to this shiva now. So that's a big audience we serve is just the people out there searching and, and, um, and we're creating content to service certain search terms at this point. I asked Sarah how rabbis feel about Bim Bam. 
Might congregational leaders feel threatened by having some of their work outsourced to an algorithm? So we've done a fair bit of studying this, and to date, no one seems to view this as a threat at all. I think on the one hand, we're providing information to people who would not otherwise be getting it because they are not affiliated with an institution. And then for the children or adults who are getting it, again, I think about this as extra time, that this is five minutes out of two hours of screen time that's happening in that person's life that's being dedicated to something Jewish. And there's nothing but positive about that. We're not trying to stream services or provide counseling on our website. I'm not saying those are necessarily bad things, but we're not doing that. We're doing straight education rather than trying to be rabbis. Still, sometimes straight ahead education content can bring a new twist to old rituals, like really old. So the Eastcape Goat is this really fun project we did in 2014. It is an adaptation of the story in Leviticus where Aaron took two goats. He sacrificed one and laid his hands on the other, the scapegoat, transferring the community's sins onto it. Then he sent the scapegoat off into the wilderness. From the goat's perspective, neither path ended well. To keep the tradition So alive, we made a virtual goat, and after you had learned the tale, you could then enter a tweet-length sin and lay it virtually on the goat, and then send it off into the wilderness. And on, actually, Erev Yom Kippur, the night before Yom Kippur, when all of this atonement is completed for the year, we virtually sent the goat off of a cliff and sent everyone out in the community who had submitted sins an email that showed the goat flailing off of the cliff and wishing them a happy new year. <laughs> and in the meantime, our escape goat, uh, Twitter bot was repeating all of these sins out anonymously into the Twitter sphere where they were very much amplified, enjoyed, and cried over. Taken very seriously, actually, there were a number of rabbis who read them from their pulpits that year on Yom Kippur and said, you know, this is really interesting. These are the things that people in this community are sharing, and these are anonymous, real things that are happening. It was yeah. really intense. Yeah, Serious powerful. project. Like, it looked very silly uh -huh. on the face of it, but it was pretty intense. One thing Sarah confessed to me, not in the formal religious sense, is that everybody wants a little piece of Bim Bam. She gets a ton of invites to travel around and lead individual congregations through media-making projects. She can't possibly accept all those invites, so the Bim Bam team is developing video curriculum to help teachers offer these workshops themselves. I got to participate in an impromptu beta test. When you reach a final version that is 30 seconds long, uh, when read calmly, you're done. This is your script. Congratulations. <laughs> so start writing. Don't just go on to the next video. That's your assignment for the next 15 minutes. Come up together with a 30-second voiceover that says something interesting that you pull out of that text, that paraphrases it, that teaches it, that turns it into a poem. It's really up to you. Okay, this is really fun. But we never work like this. Way too much pressure. <laughs> yeah, so I don't, I'm not sure you know, if that makes any sense. It does. It, does. it may make it too complicated. I love the idea that online religious educators can also be media educators. After all, there's no better way to teach a story than to help others tell it themselves. I, I like to think that six months or a year from now, you will remember your proverb in a different way. Than, you're right. Yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah you're right. That you've gone pretty deep and you've actually made something that you can you could share. 
and you, I hope, have absorbed a process that you could use yeah. with yeah. your students. So awesome. That's Congratulations. That's all we have for you today. If you want to hear more from Sarah, there's a link in our show notes to a rough edit of our full interview. You can also check out a BIMBOM video she and I made about Christian readings of Hebrew texts. Send us an email at masklabtc at gmail.com or a tweet at masklab to let us know what you thought about this episode. You can find more from our collective of researcher practitioners at masklab.org, including regular blog posts, news about screenings and other events, and links to our other media and research. Our theme music is Kelp Grooves by Little Glass Men, published under a Creative Commons attribution license at freemusicarchive.org. This episode was produced and edited by Joe Rena Ferry, Marisol Cantu, Hannah Ehrenberg, Ilya Benjamin Washington, and me, Kyle Oliver. Thanks for listening.